When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams Like Brighton. Uh, this week, we'll be looking ahead towards the Everton match after uh, after a pretty respectable draw, shall we say. It was a pretty decent one. Then we can look ahead to the next match by none other than Mark White. Mark, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, really good, Tom. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to uh, another big week for Brighton. Yes, and it is a big week, isn't it? But before we look ahead to what's going on this week, let's look ahead, look back on the weekend. Uh, trip to Goodison Park, uh, historically not the best go in our 120-year history. Only two wins at that at the blue half of Merseyside. Um, but a, a respectable draw, would you say? Yeah, definitely a respectable draw. Neither of us were right in our predictions, were we? We, we were going for uh, some away wins at, at Goodison, which would have been nice. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's it's a point on the road. Um, I was looking at the uh, kind of reaction to it and, and kind of comparing where Brighton were at this stage last season. And, you know, they're four points ahead. I know the games are different and, and the manager was different as well. But in terms of where it's at in the season, I think that's a, that's a solid point to get away at a team, which we can't forget, obviously. Um, absolutely uh, obliterated to Zerbe's, uh Brighton earlier last season. So, um, so no, I think that's a, it's a good point to take um, uh, away from home, definitely. And there were some instances in the mat in that match, which uh, of course added more to the VAR controversy, shall we say? Uh, Lewis Dunk whisker offside, say, nice, possibly best goal a defender will ever score in the Premier League. Um, but well, what, what, what? First of all, what, what, what were your thoughts on that matter? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, first off, yeah, what a strike! It's, it's one of those ones where when you're watching it as a fan or, and I'm sure it's the same on the pitch as well, when you see the ball drop, you know, there's only one way you can, you can kind of score from that angle. And when you realise it's Lewis Dunk, you're kind of thinking as it does come in, you're like, this isn't, oh my God, it is. And yeah, it was an absolutely un- unreal strike. It's such a shame that it gets called off and it, it denies you all that kind of the joy with the away fans and everything like that. And the players, like obviously they have no idea in, in the kind of setup for that as well. So yeah, it's a tough one. Looking back on the replays, I mean, you know, from what we get to see, that they kind of do show you how they think it's offside. But again, it's, uh, you know, how long can we talk about VAR and all these kind of decisions really without having this kind of automated system that I think would probably be best in a lot of these Premier League grounds. We don't have that. We just have the lines that they draw on at Stocky Park. Um, and so, yeah, and so Dunkey doesn't get that and nor does he get the, the free kick goal either, which was so nice, but obviously cannoned off the, uh, came off the bar, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, it was a fantastic finish from them. But yeah, it, it just seems like we're just in this never-ending circle regarding um, VAR. Seems, everything seems to be going around offsides and how it's been drawn out. Look, there was massive discussion about it between Liverpool and Spurs. And we continue to have this discussion this weekend as well. It's... All, it, I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. It's the fact that the Premier League, don't forget, said no semi-automatic offside decisions it worked an absolute treat during the world cup it seemed to have worked in our tournaments well i don't understand why 
the Premier League, the biggest league in, in, in world football, has decided now we don't want this technology. Considering the fact we were advocates for goal knowledge those years ago, when Seth Blatter's kept on saying no, now we're we're resistant to it. It just seems it, it seems so counterproductive at this moment in time. And while we can just look and point and blame at the match officials in the PNGOL, I I, I can't help but think that oh, hang on a sec, you, the Premier League is accountable for this as well. They made these decisions, which is a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, and I think everyone is working against each other in some way. It's not helping anyone in the situation. Really, obviously, the players and managers feel aggrieved when decisions don't get their way. The the referees are, you know, inherently implementing a system that that it's clear they still haven't got the grasp of and they don't quite understand. The Premier League, you're right, are not are not granting this access to this this stuff that would help the referees out. The supporters are losing out because of the way that things happen in the stadium. You know, us as journalists, it doesn't help us because of the way that we operate. You know, in some stadiums, you you do get a, a VAR screen. In others, you don't. Some commentators do, some don't. You know, it's, it is getting to the point now where you have to make, you have to, you know, something has to change. And, and I'll say as well, you know, even Sky Sports as an official, you know, partner of, of, of uh, the, you know, their main broadcast of the Premier League, there's even only so much they can do. You look at the coverage that you get kind of overseas, you can kind of go in a bit harder on this kind of stuff and you get different angles and stuff. But even, you know, Sky Sports can't really kind of push this other than maybe coming out on Monday Night Football and you get to listen to the, the VAR and, it, and it's like, oh, that's a step. But all we're doing really here is just listening to them make a mistake. You're not proactively helping the, the situation. Um, and you're right as well. It, it, it feels like at the moment, it, it just bright, for Brighton, it seems like we've, we've had a few of them, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, it's frustrating and, and you hope that something big happens soon. And it doesn't require managers like Mikel Arteta and Postacoglu to come out and, and talk about it or not talk about it. You know, you just want to have a situation where the Premier League can kind of step in. And as you say, they're the biggest organisation in, in the world, world football, you know. So um, they should be able to get it sorted. And fans like us and journalists like us are just kind of racking our brains wondering why it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nail on the head there. It's just, uh, it just seems like, again, we're just going around in circles in this situation when the obvious answer is to just address it head on. We've got the solutions there. It's not like as if we have to do a whole research and development task and start from scratch. It is there. The solution is there. But whatever the reason is behind the scenes that they don't want to do it, that that's costing the reputation of the sport, the reputation of the competition and the reputation of club. I mean, the, that Arsenal statement was laughable. And the fact that we, we've we had a fair share of apologies from the from Howard Webb as well, it's just, it just becomes meaningless. It becomes, well, hang on a sec, you, you, you apologise because you admit fault, but the faults keep on happening. The idea of apologising is that is to reassure you it doesn't happen again, which is just, uh, which is silly. But anyway, far aside, let's talk about the performance for the Albion and it just seemed to be a common theme didn't it the fact that we're very good at progressing to the final third and then when the final third comes in we just we just got blocks off and to be fair to Sean Dyche once again he he decided quite well gets it again yeah I completely agree we've, we've spoken about it a few times this season already about you know not being able to finish their chances but I actually thought Brighton were you know, to a reasonable extent, kind of, it was earlier on, it wasn't in the final touch as such a lot of the time, you know, I thought Everton actually set up well, and I, I think there's, there are a few comments from some of the players afterwards, and, you know, especially saying that they almost didn't want to get a result, and they, Brighton seemed quite upset about some of the way that 
you know, Everton managed to grind out that result for themselves. But, you know, they led for long periods. You know, both goals were, you know, pretty frustrating on both sets of defences, I think, in, in terms of the way that they were conceded. Uh, but I said at the top of the piece there that, you know, I thought it was a, a fair result. And, you know, Brighton can keep knocking on the door, but it is still now, what is that, five games, is it? Are we now five games unbeaten? Uh, five games without a win, sorry. Um, and so, yeah, you know, at, at some point, I think, the tap's going to turn and we'll get a, a flurry of goals, but it, it wasn't to be last weekend, was it? No, it wasn't. And the the issue seems to be lining in the rotation and the depth in the score. We could talk about yeah. that until the cows come home, really. We, we, we just keep on going into this never-ending circle on that as well. Um, but look, hopefully we could get a repeat against Ajax. It's, uh, well, look, it's, it's, it's the biggest biggest game of the season so far on paper going to the Johan Cruyff stadium playing against a team like Ajax but Ajax not having the best season at all mind you back-to-back wins under their new gaffer on uh, van chip so could, could we be seeing a more resurgent Ajax come Thursday night yeah, this one's now set up um, a lot tastier than, than the first clash was at the Amex, of course. Um, I mean, going into that one, it felt like uh, everything was going wrong at the time for Ajax. Obviously, they'd, they'd sat the manager out an interim boss, lost so many games there at Avise and, and, and came to the Amex with the tails between their legs, even, even you know, and Brighton took advantage of that. In, in many ways, Brighton were fantastic, you know, in their own right, but they also took advantage of, of the fact that Ajax looked a little bit dishevelled on the pitch. But... And now it's the complete opposite. You know, um, Brighton are still in the kind of same, you know, they haven't picked up wins in the Premier League that are going to kind of run them into this fixture, but they didn't have that last time. But the difference being is that you're right, Ajax, two games now on, on the spin. They've, they've scored a lot of goals in that time as well. Um, you know, and the, the squad seems, you know, fresh and, and, and ready to tackle. We mentioned it just before we came on air about Chupa Atpom's interview afterwards. He seems like he's absolutely firing and, and ready. He got two goals in their last game. Um, so yeah, the positivity around them all of a sudden is is there, and you know, in front of their home fans, they've got to turn this group around. There's huge expectation on their shoulders to, to qualify from this group. Um, but you know, like we said, Brighton have done it already. They've won two 0 against them. They they need to know. Roberto Zerbi certainly knows that they have to go there and win if they're going to get out of this group. I think this is a really important fixture for them, um, especially with one eye going on what's happening between Marseille and and, and AEK Athens as well. So. Perfectly poised, really excited for this one. Uh, I'm massively jealous of you in that away end. I think you're going to have the best time uh, ever uh, uh, in there. And, and yeah, fingers crossed that it that it's a good result as well. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's going to be more than just the 2,000 Brighton fans with tickets going to Amsterdam. I think it's the one that many have been looking forward to and book it, booking time off work and get the plane or the U-tunnel wherever you're going to get to get to Amsterdam. Uh, maybe even by boat as well. Uh, but it's going to be, it's probably going to be the most exciting one on paper anyway. But I want to go back to talking about Tuba Atpom because you mentioned him there. I mean, he hasn't really set the world alight until that match last week against Volodam when he managed to get his first goal off the mark. And all of a sudden things start to click now Max under that ship. And Atpom did have an interesting interview, didn't he? He talks about how he was in a very dark place at the moment. And then he was saying how... I can't just think about myself here. Everyone else has been in this bad run. The fans, the club, the players have. We've lost a manager as a result of this. We're, we're in a position where we should never be in the first place. 
do, do you feel like this is now the turning point for Akpom or do you still feel or did he just have that one season wonder with Borough and he's kind of living up to that hype a little bit too much? Uh, no, Tube Rackpom's always a player that I've really enjoyed watching, actually. And, and I always kind of wish him the best, especially when an English player goes abroad. I love seeing that. And, you know, the headlines are with Harry Kane and Jude Bellingham at the moment. But I'd love to see Tube Rackpom, you know, start and and, and perform out there, um, as it looks like he is doing as well. I, I suppose we'll see in terms of whether he gets the start this week. I'm not sure whether, you know, this the, whether Ajax will kind of field a, a different side for for the visit of Brighton because I think they'll, you know, have learned a lot from that first game and, and you know, whether they want to, um, you know, go full front in front of their home fans and go for all that attack, we'll see. But I think that could be maybe a little bit dangerous. I think, you know, Brighton have showed exactly what quality they've got. So, yeah, going back to Akpom, I, I hope he does well. I hope he's not just gone out there after, you know, that kind of flash in the pan almost. But, you know, let's forget he's, he's got a lot of experience in the EFL uh, under his belt as well. So, you know, he's, he is a bit of a, a veteran in that term. So I, th- I think he's certainly got what it takes to, to impress out there. Um, and, you know, Brighton fans certainly know what, what how good you can kind of go out there into the Dutch league, perform, come back to the, the Premier League and, and, and get a good run, as they've seen so many times with, with loan players and stuff. So, you know, let's hope he does well, but let's hope he doesn't do well at all this Thursday. <laughs> It does seem a bit typical, doesn't it, for Brighton, Hove Albion. Uh, we have a bit of a long tradition of getting affected by the new manager bounce, shall we say. Uh, and th- this week is going to be no stranger to it. Van Schip has managed Ajax a total of two games and has won twice in that time. Back-to-back wins and they found themselves from bottom of the table in the Eredivisie to now mid, or believe it's their, they're now 11th in the league now. So they seem to have a sign of resurgence there. Do you th- do you think that that will be able to continue uh, on Thursday, or would it be too much when they face Deserby side? Are you asking me for my prediction now, Tom? I'm I'm a bit worried. Um, no, 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 not 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 just yet. I'll, I'll, I want a bit more of a solid analysis first. <laughs> yeah, look, I I I think from from what we saw in the first game, I thought Bright, what Brighton did really well is is they almost had the shackles let off, which which was weird because it was a pressure environment. You know, they've got the. Uh, the group was kind of hanging in the balance after the, the loss against Athens, the draw against Marseille. They needed to win that game. But I was really impressed with was the kind of fluidity of the attack. We haven't seen it, you know, we've seen it in dribs and drabs. I'm thinking of the Wolves away game actually earlier on in the season where, you know, there were, it just felt like there was a fluidity to, to so many parts of, of Brighton's play that we perhaps haven't seen. You're right, we've said it as well with the finishing touch too. I think if they can do that again and they can do that, even though that you know Ajax have got a, a, a new coach and that they'll be well well aware of what Brighton can do. I think there's more than enough quality in that attack. I think Brighton have got enough to possess the game in in terms of midfield, and I think they can dominate, especially with well, you know, it, it, it it's a bit of a deserving lottery at the moment. It depends who kind of goes into that midfield, but I still think there is enough in there. It'll be interesting a, a match up on the on in the wide sense because I feel like in the last game I thought. You know, Ajax did like to cut back a, a little bit in terms of kind of penning themselves in. And, and, and you know, that is one thing that, that Brighton will have to do. They'll have to break teams down. They will have to break them down. But again, it all hinges for me on whether Ajax want to go for it in front of their home fans. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, like I said, it's a really tantalising opportunity for both sides to take a hold of the group. So it, it's, it's a tactical battle. But, you know, we've backed to Zerbi so many times in, in doing so. So, you know, I without giving you a score prediction yeah, I'm positive actually about this game more so than I have been about the previous Europa League games, I think, so far. 
we're halfway through the Europa League stage at the moment. We're currently third with four points. AK Athens are second on four points. Marseille are top with five. Ajax two. And it seems what's happening now is, I mean, there's every chance that this table could well flip um, with, depending on what happens, Marseille, AK. We've got Marseille at home. We've got the long trip to Athens to think about um, later on in this season. That there's a lot, there's a lot um, at stake here already going into this uh, going into this match. What, before I get the match prediction, where do you where do you honestly uh, group say finishing kind of the, come the end of the uh, game week six? Uh, well, obviously it, it's difficult to say when, you, like you said, it could flip in, flip entirely. But if I'm saying, you know, I, I'm going to go on to my prediction, I think Brighton are going to win, uh, you know, in Amsterdam, and I think they're going to. You know, I think they've got they've got the quality to take over the group. The Marseille game then obviously becomes the one, doesn't it? If you win that, if you win against Ajax and then you go back to the Amex and you beat Marseille, the group's theirs. You know, they, they can still go to AG Athens and and you know perhaps you know if a free turn of events maybe not qualify. But I think if you get six points those next two games and the results go with you in other ways, you know you, you're almost guaranteed because then Ajax has still got to play Marseille in that final week, haven't in that final match week six, which then could become a straight shootout depending on what Brian do. So I'd be, you know, you've got to aim for first place, haven't you? And that will give you a more favourable uh, a, a push into the knockout stages. The way that they finish second is, is I think, anyone's business. It could come down to a final final week where you know all four teams still win with a chance of finishing first and second. So um, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think when I first saw the group, when we did our kind of I think we did a live stream, didn't we, when the group came through? We knew it was going to be difficult, but I don't think many fans would have predicted just how tricky it could be. Because, you know, like you said, three games in and we're already kind of, well, heading into the fourth and we've, we're still none the wiser over who's going to come in top and who's going to come in second. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a it's a fantastic way of saying I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the long version, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's the long version. I, I, I honestly, yeah, and I, I do agree with you. There's still so much up for grabs. We've seen in the first few matches, you know, anyone could be anyone in this this small group of four teams. You know, Athens shocked us at home. We managed to pull something back in Marseille, and we silenced Ajax very quickly. But that could change Thursday. I've got to be honest. I'm going for a draw in this one. I think it's going to be uh, another. Well, I think it's going to be a one-all draw uh, at the Amsterdam Arena. Well, sorry, no, the Johan Cruyff Arena. Even I just, yeah, just think that there's something there up for grabs. I do think we'll probably be having the better, better the chances. I just feel that with Ajax's resurgence at the moment, and now Van Ship's test in Europe. All things are pointed towards Ajax uh, getting the result that they would like to have, but I think we probably might have enough with, in us to get that point that we so desperately need anyway, just to keep our hopes up. But, I mean, I'll, I've said this before, I'll take third. I'm still saying this, I'm, I'm taking third. If we take third, we've got Europa Conference still, and yep. that'll be another fun trip with some seriously mediocre trips abroad anyway, not the traditional you know, west side of, of Europe. We could be going to some very uh, obscure place. Always. So I'm looking forward to that as a fan, personally, even though that, you know, a Europa League possibility of a Europa League final over in Dublin is something that 
it's, it's very much keep keep my eye closed. <laughs> I can't. I'm looking forward to hopefully the possibility of uh, weekends in Ireland, but see that will get far personally. But I'll take a knockout place. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and you're right as well with the, the conference league. I actually completely forgot about that. That would be, uh, it would still be special, wouldn't it? A first season, yeah. Just avoid fourth place, and, and that'll everything be fine. Um, my prediction, I, I, I wanted a, I thought it was going to be a win at Goodison Park. I really did. So I'm almost hesitant to to keep backing in a way win here, but I'm going to say it's going to be a, a KG nil nil in the first half. Then I think Ajax is going to really come out. And I think Brighton are going to hit him on the counter. So I'm going to say uh, Matoma is going to get the goal. It's going to be one nil, and it's not going to be deflected. It's going to be, uh, it's all going to be his goal, uh, and it's going to, you know, send everyone home back across the channel singing his praises. Oh, great prediction there! Great prediction. Let's hope that's uh, that's going to be the case. I'd love to see that. I just, I don't know. Heart says one thing, head says another. But <laughs> look, guys. Whoever's going to Amsterdam, make sure to enjoy yourself. Be sure to say hello. Be sure to be safe in that. Enjoy your trip. Uh, be sure to like subscribe as you always do on the teams like Bryson podcast and listen on whatever podcast platform that you do until then guys till next week um, speak to you then Mark as ever pleasure to have you on thanks Tom and as always guys up the Albion and enjoy Amsterdam